we thank you that we can be in the, this place of remembering Jesus, that uh, through his life, his death, and his resurrection, we can be united with you in your glory, that we would have that glory not just in the next life, but in this world, this reality. And Lord, may you begin to reveal that to us more and more. Just on that idea of revealing glory, um, when we were praying this morning in the um, prayer, one of the scriptures that came to mind was Paul's writing to the church and he says, and we with unveiled faces, and as the Lord said that to me, I had to have a little lull, a little chuckle. Because <laughs> so I was thinking, <laughs> we come to church veiled, but we can be unveiled, which was the funny part of what God was saying to me. Uh, but the serious part of what God was saying to me was uh, that we would behold the glory, revealing His glory. And, and I do believe that's part of how we're supposed to live. And so receive that word from this morning and, and, and know that the communion emblems are a reminder of the enablement that Jesus has provided that you would have that glory in order that you with unveiled faces would behold the glory. Amen? Hey, look, God has really um, got, got uh, me on a bit of a bender in a good way. Um, because as I shared in one of the videos this week is, is I had everything, uh, well, I had a plan and then the plan changed. So I had a new plan and then uh, late in the week, that plan changed again, but the, um, this time it was because God was changing what he wanted to say today. And, and so I really um, prepared this um, more, more like um, a way that we might just open up the floodgates and see what God says uh, to you. Uh, what does God want to say to you? This is a very prophetic style message. It's not so much a teaching and it's not a, it's not a sermon of sorts. It's an opportunity for us to open our hearts and receive what God might say to us and to our family. And your participation in that is important for that which you agree with is that which you establish. And so if something happens this morning and, and you get a, a quickening in your spirit, then that's the symbol, the signal that you've got that God wants you to receive whatever he's just said. Um, we've got to choose to agree to receive. We've got to receive to see something enabled. You know, it's our yes and amen, and by the amen, we're saying, so it be, let it be established. And as, as cheesy as it sounds, I really, I really want you to embrace that this morning. And so, um, an example, an example. Years ago, I remember um, sitting on the couch on a Sunday afternoon and watching uh, my good friend, Andrew Stroud race his superbike at Pukekoi, and um, he was well back for reasons I don't remember, but he was on a charge. This guy uh, was a really good Christian friend of mine. He's seven, nine times champion, and um, just a gifted motorcycle rider, and he was on a charge, and you could, I could just sense that something was, was, was happening, and, and he and I have had many chats around just God using him as a, as a messenger in that community of motorcycle racing, and there's a long story I won't tell you. But anyway, Andrew's on a charge, and I was getting more and more excited, 
And in the old days of Pukekohe, you, you guys remember this, there was no kink in the back straight. It was just long, slight bend to the right, but then there's a hairpin. And so if you're on a superbike, you're doing just over 300 kilometers an hour before you have to brake to go around this, um, what they, for them would be like a 60 or 70k corner uh, on a lean. And I remember, oh, sorry, I'm giving you a lot of detail here, but I remember Andrew coming down the back straight, and there was three guys in front of him. And he is known to be a late breaker. And he, he clutched the front brake on a motorcycle just as he let go of the throttle. So he's doing 300 kilometers an hour, and he's banging the gears down, and his bike lifts like this and bounces as he's trying to scrub off speed to get around the corner. And he just dives inside these three guys and takes first place. And I remember, knowing that it was going to happen, I remember leaping out of the couch and going, yes, and pointing at the TV like this. And the Lord reminded me of that this morning, and he's like, why don't they do that at church? I mean, I've seen people do it at rugby matches. Just a thought. I mean, what if the word of God was so good you jumped out of your chair and went, yes! Come on. Man, one of my life goals is to go to church in the southern side of Alabama. Wooden floors, wooden pews, little old black ladies with their fan. I just want to be in that environment, man. Because they're not quiet when the, when the word of God is preached. Hey? Eh? You can run around with your hankies if you need to, yeah. Hey, uh, look, my point is this. What you agree with will enable what you receive. And however you choose to do that, whether it's in your quiet comfort of the internal yes, or whether you shout at me, I don't, I don't mind. I'm, I'm good with both. Contextually, though, if we think about this message, and I'm, I'm sharing context because I know that probably the, that we don't know what the future looks like, but there's probably people that come back and listen to messages uh, of days gone by. And, and so for context, it's really important to understand the environment that we live in. We are currently um, experiencing a global, what's called a global pandemic. And however you want to define that, um, you could argue, there's a case to argue that we've been in some kind of captivity. Uh, over the last, uh, of sorts at least, for 2020 and 2021. Um, you could also, there's evidence that you could argue that we're under some kind of oppression of different kinds, and it's not just around health, it's not just around mandates, it's around legislation that we see being enabled in this country, and um, um, to be honest with you, vaccination mandates are the least of your worries if you look at some of the legislation that's being passed at the moment in New Zealand. As a local church here, um, we've been through a, um, a really tough season the last couple of years. I've called it the season, in my notes, I've called it the season of reduction, um, a refining, a deep cleansing. And I think next year I might tell some of that story because there's a whole bunch of stuff that's been going on um, in my world that I think would be good for you to hear uh, next year. But the, the word of God for us that came out in March 2020 was consecration. Joshua chapter 3, verse 5, the Lord says, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you will see the Lord do wonders amongst you. And when that word was spoken in a prayer meeting, it stirred life, and we grabbed hold of it, we embraced it, and it's been feeding us for the almost two years now. This means we must allow God to do His work in our lives individually so that He can prepare us and set us apart, because consecrate means to be set apart by God, for God. Consecrate ourselves for the life that He's got for us, and you're going to hear some of that. This morning, 
Um, one of the things that I love to do when I've got time, and, con- and lockdown gives me a bit more time, is to study revival history. And the concept of revival history um, proves that a corporate revival is just the sum of many individual revivals. First in your secret place. So this is context because we've got to understand the environment and the landscape before we are ready to receive what God has got for us this morning. And so you do your yes and amen however you want. And uh, if you're watching this online or you're listening to it in your car, you feel free to stamp your foot. Just choose the right pedal to stamp at the right time. Um, But point at at the guy that's driving past you and say yes and amen to them as well. I, I, um, I used to do, a, when I was traveling, I used to do a lot of work in cafes, um, don't explain why, and um, often I'd have podcasts in my ears, and I had to be really careful how loud I was shouting my agreement with the preacher when I was in a public place, and uh, that's why I don't work in libraries, far too quiet, far too quiet. So I want, to turn, I want to turn to a passage of Scripture this morning, and we're just going to look at this, and I'm going to get as much as we can uh, in the next 20 minutes. Uh, Je- Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31 is a word for us today, and um, I really want you to think about, um, as we're going through this, what is, what is the nugget of, of gold, or what's the gem of revelation that God's got for me, or for my household, or for my family? There are actually 10 sections to this that I've broken down in my message, and I'm not even sure if we're going to get through all of them. But, but my point in saying that is that what will be relevant for one household might not be relevant for the other, but I do believe in each one that there's going to be parts of it that you might go, oh my goodness, that's a word for me. I need to receive that, and I'm going to say yes and amen to it. Maybe one or two will relate to you, maybe more, but, but I'll go through it and I'll identify them, and then you can work out what it is. The, the, the title of today's message is Coming Back Together. And I gave that to Carla during the week, and we put it out on the social, and we, we set things up uh, to work as best we could. And, and I kind of thought it was just about us being in the building after lockdown. But as I've been um, praying through these scriptures, the Lord's really been saying this is about freedom, but it's not about lockdown. It's about the word of the Lord for 2022. Even though you can't see the landscape, you can't see the environment, you can certainly catch in the spirit what God is wanting to release for us. So coming back together is about return from exile. Think about that in the context of your life at the moment. Coming back together is not about no more lockdowns. It's not about traffic lights. It's about liberty from oppression. Think about the audience that Jeremiah was speaking to. Coming back together is actually about us walking into our inheritance. Think about the Jewish people. And finally, coming back together is about God saying, I will rebuild my people. Jeremiah 31. You can say yes and amen anytime you like. Jeremiah 31 verse 1, at the same time, says the Lord, I will be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. Well, as I was reading this during the week, it says at the same time, says the Lord. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Why is God saying at the same time? And I worked out that it's actually referring to the beginning of Jeremiah 30 when the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. So I had to go backwards to go forwards. Jeremiah 30 verse 3 says this, For behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will bring back from captivity my people Israel and Judah, says the Lord, and I will cause them to return to the land that I gave their fathers, and they shall 
possess it. What's my point? Coming back together is not about no more lockdowns. Coming back together is not about what the mandates are or what mask you wear or whether you elbow bump or hug. It's not about that. It's about the days are coming, says God, when I will bring my people out of captivity. My people, will, I will cause them to return to the land I gave their fathers. I will cause them to return to the promise. This is a calling of the Lord to return back to the foundations of our faith. Let us not get distracted by the noise and the distraction and the division and the commentary and the opinions and, and all the confusion that's going on. Let's come back to fundamentals of our faith. Those of us, I've written down here, who hold on to a multi-generational blessing of promise for our family, we should be sure that we don't lose it in these times. These, these ones that came back were not the ones that received the promise. They'd been in exile for 70 years in Babylon. A whole generation had passed. Some came back, but most of them that came back were of the next generation. And so what are, what are we saying? God says, at this time, you shall possess what I have given you. And, and so what God is saying is, he is about to release a promise and a seed that you can be a custodian of. You can be a custodian of that which God has said in order that you will see it established in this coming age. So you've got to decide. Which one of these promises are you going to claim for yourself? Which one is relevant to you? Which one is stirring you? Which one is God stirring when you get that quickening in your spirit? You go, oh, that's for me. And then you can say yes and amen to it. So section number one, I'm just going to call them sections because I've got blocks of scripture and each one of them has got some prophetic stuff in it that I want to highlight to. And uh, we might get five of them if we're lucky. Verses 1 to 6, if you're taking notes, section number 1 is verses 1 to 6. Thus says the Lord in verse 2, the people who survived the sword found grace in the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? Israel, when I went to give him rest, the Lord has appeared of old to me, saying, yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. Again, I will build you, and you shall be rebuilt, O virgin of Israel. You shall again be adorned with your tambourines, and shall go forth in the dances of those who rejoice. Yet shall you plant vines on the mountains of Samaria, which is up in the north of Israel. The planters shall plant and eat them as ordinary food, for there shall be a day when the watchman will cry on Mount Ephraim, Arise, and let us go up to Zion, to the Lord our God. What is God saying here? God is saying, I have always loved you, my people, with an everlasting love. God says, again, I will build you. Man, when I read this again this morning, I felt the Lord stirring me and saying, I have built this house, and once again, I will build this house. Come on, it's time for Zion people to recognize that God goes in seasons, and what he does in the past is a sign of what he's going to do in the future. And that God said to me, the glory of the Lord will not shrink back. So we can expect to see the glory of God, and maybe it will be reflected on your face. As much as I joke about tambourines, we've got to take the word at, at, its, at its merit. You know, it says in verse where's four, you shall again be adorned with your tambourines. One of the prophetic promises over this house that was before my time was that there would be a fresh sound of heaven released through this fellowship of faith. Now, we believe that is a word from God. Are we seeing it today? Not in music. 
But maybe your life is the tune. Maybe you're, maybe you're living out the lyrics today. You know, Adele's album, I mean, she, she sings songs of her story, and it's very depressing, but, but the point is her life gives her the lyrics for the music. Maybe this season, you're writing the lyrics for the new sound of heaven. David would write of his lament. David would write of his victory. David would write of his adoration. They all came from times of his story in the word um, in times with God. Speaking of David, to dance like those who rejoice, which is in verse 4. You shall go forth with the dancers of those who rejoice. Think about David who did dance in joy. While some would despise him, he didn't give a worry to what everyone was thinking about what he was doing. He was dedicating himself before God. Why did David dance? Because God was good to him. More than that, because if we just dance because God does what we want, I mean, that's just shallow. Why did David dance? Because the Lord dwelt in the midst of the people. That's worth dancing for. Come on. We call ourselves Zion because Zion is the dwelling place of God. God desires that everyone would have a spiritual home, a place where they could be in fellowship with each other and with him. Come on. We've got to dance in joy like David. There's verse 5 um, here. It says, Yet you shall plant vines on the mountain. Here's a word that God gave me this morning. To plant vines is to expect new wine. To plant vines. Why would you plant vines if you didn't expect wine? I mean, I've just put some spring onions in the ground. Why? Because I want spring onions in my salad this summer. I'm expecting to harvest spring onions, among other things. Well, why would you plant vines if you didn't want new wine? What does new wine symbolize in the Bible? Come on. New wine symbolizes new life. It's a, it's a, it's a flowing out of the Spirit, the Spirit-born life that we get to appreciate, but more than that, that others get to appreciate. Come on. We're planting vines, says God. There's a season coming where new wine will flow, and you will taste and see that God is good, but be prepared to carry that new wine. Jesus was very clear. You don't put new wine in old wineskins. What does that represent? It's our mindset. It's our belief structure. It's the way we operate together and interact. He was, he was chastising the, the church of the day for not willing to embrace what he had to release in the new. But to plant vines means to expect new wine. Verse 6, there will be a day. When watchmen will cry on Mount Ephraim, arise and let us go to Zion. I've been praying for years because God has said that watchmen of Zion will emerge on their posts. So in biblical days, a watchman is someone who would stand on the corner of the wall around a city and they would be like a watching out person and they would see if there's a messenger coming, they would see if an army was coming, they would prepare if people were coming back from war to open the gates. A watchman is someone that's got insight into the things that God is doing in the environment in order to keep the people safe and ready for what God is doing. Arise and let's go, for watchmen are coming. So you've got to think about as I'm saying these things, what is God saying to you in that? I'm, I know I'm moving fast, but it's in the text, and, and all I've done is pray the text and see what God would say as a result of the text. But this is what it means for me. This is what I'm saying yes and amen to. There's a joy coming. 
that the Lord is going to release in my life. Joy that will cause the flow of new wine of the Spirit of God to pour out of my life, not to bless me, but to bless those that would experience it. They would taste and see the Lord is good. And it sounds weird to prophesy over yourself, but I'm going with it. Why not? Because I agree in faith with the Word of God that what He says He will do in my life. And that's what I want you to do. This, this new wine is going to bring about, I believe this new wine is going to bring about a supernatural lifestyle that we have talked about this year, where his normal becomes our normal, where what seems illogical to us is shifted because we've got a renewed mind of faith. We've got to believe for the impossible because God does the impossible. It's his, his business to do the impossible so that man's faith can be shifted in a way to receive something fresh from heaven. That's what I'm believing for from the scripture. And we can say yes and amen and receive it. I'm getting a few amens. All right, block number two. Verses seven to nine, if you're taking notes. Thus says God, sing with gladness for Jacob, meaning Israel. Shout among the chief of the nations. Proclaim, give praise, and say, O Lord, save your people, the remnant of Israel. Behold, I will bring them from the north country and gather them from the ends of the earth. Among them, the blind and the lame, the woman with child and the one who labors with child together. A great throng shall return there and they shall come with weeping and with supplications, I will lead them. I will cause them to walk in the rivers of waters in a straight way in which they will not stumble. For I am a father to Israel and Ephraim is my firstborn. What is God saying here? One of the key things I think God is saying, and we prayed it again this morning, is that God is going to bring people back to faith. This is not just about our church. It's about the church. It's not just about our fellowship. It's about God's kingdom. God is bringing people back to faith, those that have walked away, those that have disregarded their heritage, those that have got distracted, diverted, or um, divorced from their promise. God says, I will bring them back and it is a work that he is going to do. If you want one of the definitions of revival, revival is people getting stirred under the conviction of their sin to the point where the only answer in their life can be Jesus Christ. That is what I believe we're going to see in our community. There's a great throng. The words are in the text. We just have to say yes and amen to the, to the text. A great throng, meaning a great harvest. And finally, it says they were coming with weeping and repentance. That's my word. I think it said supplications. Verse 9. They will come with weeping and supplications. I will lead them, says God. Come on, there's a conviction that will come. When the word of God and the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, the only thing that can happen is a conviction of the ugliness of sin and the need for forgiveness. And that is coming. That is what the word says. That's what supplication means. That's what repentance means. And that's what we can expect to see in a season of revival. It happens in a way that we can't explain. It even happens in a way that we perhaps even didn't do anything to help happen. But we are needing to be ready to receive what God is going to do. And we've got to say yes in our spirits to get our hearts in agreement with heaven. And I hope that's what's happening this morning. What might it mean for you? Well, last year in one of the Zoom prayer meetings we had, there was a prophetic message that was shared from Second uh, Ch Samuel chapter 9, write the reference down. Do you remember King David was sitting at his table 
And he said, is there anyone of the family of Jonathan that I might, I might invite them to my table that I may bless and honor the name of Jonathan? And one of the servants said, there is, Mephibosheth, and he's hiding for fear of his life. And David said, bring him to the table. And he brought him to the table and he restored the land that had been taken. He restored it to Mephibosheth in honor of Jonathan. And he said, you will dwell and dine at my table for all of your days. And what is God saying? That there are ones who have a call and a mantle of leadership on their life that are hiding in fear because they've been offended or hurt or disconnected from the church. And like we all know, if you live in church, that happens from time to time. But there are ones with the mantle of leadership that will come back to the table of influence, that will come back to the Lord's table to feast on the goodness of God, for they've got something to contribute to the kingdom, says God. And, and if you're believing for a son or a daughter, if you're believing for someone that is not in church anywhere and you're like, man, they should be in church, then you can start praying for them and you can start praying them in. That's not manipulation. It's called petition. It's called, it's called being the persistent prayer in order to see them receive what God's got for them. Because I can tell you, man, the church needs more leadership. The church needs people to stand up under the mantle of authority and responsibility and anointing that God has graced them with, that the body of Christ would be active and together. It's not about the ministry of one. It's about the ministry of many. I'm going to say amen to that. Hmm. You doing all right? That's the first two. We've got eight to go, and we're not going to get there. I have to read you this one, though. This is, this is, verse, this is section three, if you're taking notes. Um, verses 10 to 14. Hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles, means the islands, far off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. For the Lord has redeemed Jacob and ransomed him from the hand of one stronger than he. Therefore they shall come and sing in the heights of Zion, streaming to the goodness of the Lord for wheat and new wine and oil for their young and their flock and their herd, their souls shall be like a well-watered garden, and they shall sorrow no more at all. And then the virgin shall rejoice in the dance, and the young men and the old together, for I will turn their mourning to joy. There's a divine exchange, Marge. I will turn their mourning to joy, and I will comfort them, and make them rejoice rather than sorrow. I will satiate the soul of the priests with abundance, meaning I will satisfy the souls of the priests with abundance, and my people will be satisfied with my goodness, says the Lord. Imagine that, the people of God being satisfied with God, not needing this, not needing that, not wanting to add this to their lives, because all they're worried about is getting the goodness of God in their lives. Come on. Verse 12 says they will sorrow no more. Verse 13 says they will turn, them, I will turn, says God, their mourning into joy, says the Lord. I have a very, very specific word out of this passage, and it's, it's just one. And there's a lot, and as I'm reading it, I'm going, oh, why did I, do, why did I preach on that? But there's one. Um, my connect group at the moment, we're reading a book, a prophetic book by a lady uh, called Lana Vorsa. And uh, the other week, we were discussing the book, and this paragraph jumped out, and I want to share it because I think it's relevant to this. They shall sorrow no more. They shall come and sing in the heights of Zion. This is from the book. You choose a few, this is relevant for you. Many of you, she writes, especially in the last decade, have walked through some of the most difficult seasons of your life. There have been so many battles, assaults, dark nights, 
and blazing fires. But through it all, he has been with you, holding you, encouraging you, loving you, and strengthening you. He has been doing a deep work within you that you may not even realize. And now, in this new era, he is moving you out of the realm of disappointment and into the place of breakthrough, empowerment, strength, and maturity. I don't know what this means for you, but there's a bunch of people I know in this church, and I'm one of them. The Lord is saying, I want to heal you of disappointment that's holding you back. For when you look at your lack, you worry what's lost. When you look at the future, you worry about what might, have been, what might be. You're focused on different things, says God. When you, when you focus on the past and what you've lost, you can't reach forward to receive what I've got for you, says God. Come on, we've got to allow the Lord to heal us in the place of disappointment, where we've been let down by others, where, we, where words have been broken, where we've made mistakes and stuffed it up for ourselves and we're disappointed in ourselves even and what didn't come to pass. The Lord says, all of that will stop you from moving forward into what I have for you. But it's only by his healing. It's only by his love coming and ministering to us in that place of um, deep repentance before God. Not Sometimes repentance because we made a mistake. Sometimes repentance just because we lived in disappointment too long. God wants to do a work. And to be honest with you, uh, we're just going to pause. Um, because whether, whether you're here now, whether you're listening, watching online, whatever's going on, I just feel like there's a, there's a, a now moment. Now in this era, he's moving you out of the realm of disappointment, and we just need to allow God to heal us. And uh, so I was going to pray. And if it's you, put your hand on your heart, do whatever you need to do uh, to receive this. God prepares moments for us, and we must not miss them. God, we thank you for this uh, promise in the Scripture that you will turn our sorrow into joy, mourning into dancing. It's who you are and it's what you do. And Lord, for those of us that have partnered in disappointment and lamented over loss and been focused in the past, God, for that we repent and we turn away from that which has taken our focus and we turn toward you. And in this moment, we receive healing because when we come to you, the great healer, you pour grace and love and mercy into our lives. Where there are deep wounds, God, I pray that your touch is gentle and your love is deep, that you would heal that which is lost and restore hope for that which can be. For your word is good and your promises are rich and we will be satisfied. <laughs> we prophesy this in faith. We will be satisfied with the goodness of God. We'll be satisfied with the goodness of God. Lord, we thank you for the healing work that you'll continue to do in people's hearts. Amen. Amen. Come on. Hmm. Section number four. I'm, I'm only going to do a couple more because then we'll, um, we need to sing uh, some praise to God. V verses 16 to 20 um, is, is, is similar because the Lord says, Refrain your voice from weeping and your eyes from tears, for your work shall be rewarded, said the Lord. 
and they shall come back from the land of the enemy. There is hope in your future. So come on, someone needs to receive that this morning. There is hope in your future, says the Lord, that your children shall come back to their own border. Come on, we've got to say yes and amen to that. The funny thing is, in the NET, the New English translation, the, the, the wording is, your heartfelt repentance will be rewarded. You know, we think, oh, well, God is a God who rewards us when we put our faith and our trust in Him and Him alone. So for God to say, I will reward you, is not clutching at things you don't deserve. It's Him being a loving Father and heaping His goodness on you, not because you deserve it, but because He's a good Father. I feel like the Lord said in this season where he has called us, March 2020, remember, the Lord called us to deep consecration, and we have embraced that. If you look at the messages we've done this year, the series and the themes and the scriptures, it's all been about coming back to the fundamentals of faith, coming back to a place of believing in God, coming back to a place of consecration and connection with each other because that's the only way consecration can happen, and then lately, embracing holiness. It's all about a deep consecrating work that God wants to do in us to prepare us for what he is bringing to us. He's seen the humility of our posture. And he says, well done. Your repentance will be rewarded. And I, I, man, I take hope from what God is saying. There is hope that we can be excited about. Um, this is for someone, I don't know who it is, but there's a reference here. It's really weird. I, had, I did do a bit of study because I was confused because he refers to Ephraim quite a few times. And what I, what I, what I relearned, because I did know this, but Ephraim was one of Joseph's sons. And if you remember, Jacob, Israel, the old man in Genesis 48 was about to die. And Joseph, they're in Egypt because Joseph rescued, you know, he was the um, redeemer of Israel. Joseph brings his two boys for the blessing of granddad. And he, he lines them up before granddad, whose name is Jacob, the grandson of Abraham. And he's got these two boys. And as he goes to bless them, he reaches out his hands and he crosses his arms. And he blesses Ephraim, the younger one, with his right hand, meaning his strong arm, and Manasseh with his left. And Joseph goes, oh, silly old guy, I made a mistake. He got it wrong. He didn't realize. No, he says, no, Manasseh's the older one. And Jacob says, yes, I know, but the Lord will bless him, but the Lord will bless Ephraim greater. And that's why he's referring to him as the firstborn son here. Now, why am I telling you that story? The word that God is saying is there is going to be some out-of-order favor that is released by the blessing of God that is coming to his house. The older will serve the younger. Those who the world despises will be favored by the Lord. We've got to, <coughs> we've got to shift our paradigms. Do not, please, and, and please hold me to this. You, I'm giving you permission. You hold me to what I'm about to say. We must not be like the older boys of Jesse. When Samuel turns up and says, I'm here to anoint the future king, and they all line up bright and shiny. And the Lord says, not these ones. Do you have any other boys? He asks Jesse. Oh, yeah, the young one. He's in the field. He's only good to look after the sheep. Bring him quickly, they say. And, and ruddy, ruddy young David skips in, probably got a song in his heart. He's like, what's up, guys? 
Samuel says, anoint him, for he's the future king of Israel. The Lord is bringing out of order favor, and those that have been despised or disregarded will be favored by God. And I'm asking you to hold me to that. If someone comes into this church and they're not wearing the right clothes or not with the right heritage or pedigree, and God anoints them, then we better be sure we want them. For God's glory, not our glory, for God's glory. Because it wasn't so good for the rest of them when that happened. Come on. Oh, I got four out of ten. <laughs> I'm sorry. Maybe we'll do some more another day. You'll be back next week? Okay. We're wondering what to do next week. Yeah. Looks like I've already done it. Yeah. <laughs> okay, why don't you stand? Um, I, I, I seriously, um, yeah. I think um, what's really important as we uh, move into uh, just a couple of songs, you'll notice we've shifted the service around. What we're trying to do is to uh, really shape what happens in here in a way that also helps those that can't be in the building, so those that are at home. Um, and, and, And broadcasting music just does not work. And so that's why we're doing music at the beginning and music at the end, and the live stream's in the middle. So if you're never here, if you're not here on a Sunday, 10.15, get online YouTube and you should be able to catch what's happening um, and then we'll let you know what the music is. But that's why we're doing it this way. So we're going to have some singing. Why am I doing this now? What I want you to do is to use these songs as your prayer of response to what God has said in his word. We're going to sing even the impossible. Even the impossible is possible for him. So if, if you've heard the word of the Lord and you're going, oh, yeah, I think I could say yes, but it's, it's a bit out there. Come on, even the impossible is possible for God. The other song that we're going to do is called Do It Again. And Do It Again is really about God can shift mountains once. It means he can do it again. So make these songs your prayer. We're going to have uh, these two songs and then I'll pray a blessing and then we'll have some fellowship, okay? Let's get this going. Come on. Open your heart before God and let him minister to you this morning.